Isn't that a great band? Boston. How many of y'all are too young to know who they are? Raise your hand if you're too young. Oh, yeah, right. Some of you raised your hand. There's no way. <laughs> Bill Lewis, put your hand down. Boston began and ended in your teens. So, <laughs> the city, I mean. Oh, 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 whoa. That was terrible. He's going to get me back one day soon. Um, <clears throat> my name is Joe Davis. I'm the lead uh, teacher here in the garden. And as you could guess by the name of the song, the sermon of today's message is Don't Look Back. We're continuing in Galatians. <clears throat> Today we're looking at chapter 4, verses 8 through 11 and verse 16 through 20 in our series about grace and religion, how it's just like oil and water. And so Don't Look Back is the title uh, coming from that Boston song. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to read to you, we're supposed to do uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, but there's a lot of stuff in there. And some of it is just sort of the repeating theme that Paul's been talking about his, this whole book, which is kind of explaining how Judaism and the law does not mix with Jesus and grace, and about how Judaism and the law and the Judaizers who were trying to corrupt the faith of the Gentile Galatians by getting them to participate in temple worship, in sacrifice, and circumcision, and all these other things, Paul makes the case very clear in Galatians, that stuff is not necessary because our salvation is through the promise, through the gift of faith, and not by works. So keep that in mind as we skip some of this. That's the decision I made. But I'm going to read to you today verses 8 through 11 and then 16 through 20. So let me just read this for you. Look what Paul says. This is a very important. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. In other words, this has been a long time. Yet I'm afraid I may have labored in vain over you all. Paul's afraid that his work has been a waste. And then picking up in verse 16. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? In other words, are you tired of hearing me say this? Am I getting on your nerves? Am I being a nag? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you make much of them. It is good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. In other words, he's saying, I am suffering emotionally until I know for certain that your faith is the real faith. I'm struggling every day trying to make sure that I feel encouraged that your faith is really in the gospel. I wish I could be present with you now so I could change my tone. In other words, words aren't enough. I want to yell. And he says, for I am perplexed about you. I don't get it. I don't understand you. So the first part of this book, you understand, he does a very good job ripping on the Judaizers. Now he's kind of being harsh with the Galatians themselves. And so as you guys know, we like to look back 
And we like to look at the scripture through three different applications, right? The historical answers the question, what about man? What did he do? Why did he do it? And once we understand the historical aspect of scripture, and only after we understand the historical aspect, can we really answer the second part of scripture, which is what? The theological. What about God? What did he do? Why did he do it? And then the third, which is the devotional, we cannot answer the devotional about what we're supposed to do, why should we do it, and how should we do it, we cannot begin to even think what Scripture tells us to do until we first understand the historical and the theological. And the reason I hammer this every week, by the way, as a little advertisement, there's a lot of people out there that read the Scripture and get a terrible application in their lives. Do you know why? Because they don't spend the time. They're lazy. Pastors and Christians alike, they don't spend the time studying the historical application and the theological application before they jump to the devotional application. So for you to understand the devotional, you have to understand the history, and you can't understand the theology unless you understand the history. That's how it works. So historically, Paul is saying, don't look back. Don't look back. And he addresses the uncanny desire for the Galatians to go back and embrace a false religion again. Even after they had left the original one that they believed in, which was not Judaism, it was just false gods, they left that one for Jesus, and now they want to embrace a new one in Judaism. So what does Paul do? First of all, in this passage, he reminds them about the miserable idols that they were enslaved to before. And he contrasts the fact that, don't you realize, don't you remember how much better off you were after Jesus than before? Do you remember the blessing? Now, his Galatian audience, they had not fully turned their back on Jesus. They were being taught some bad theology because there are some people that did not understand the historical application of the Old Testament. Therefore, they did not understand the theological. Therefore, they could not have the right devotional. So they were teaching Galatians bad theology. The the Galatians had not totally left Jesus, but they were starting to put their foot back into this bad theology called Judaism. They had not fully abandoned Christ, but Paul, in his human fear, is afraid that his labor has been a waste of time on them. Maybe you weren't Christians all along, because I'm kind of confused. How can you taste the goodness of Jesus and then go back to the toilet? So notice, this is not a fear that faith had died. It's a fear about whether or not their faith was even real in the first place. It's not a fear that, boy, you were a Christian and now you're not. That's not the fear. The fear is, were you even really a Christian to begin with? How could you be? And then go back to the toilet. I'll explain that word toilet in a few minutes. Paul is concerned about being a nag. He says, look, I've been telling you this over and over again. Am I now your enemy because I keep telling you this stuff again and again? And he explains how the past always tries to flatter you. He says, they want to make a big deal out of you, but not for your benefit, it's for theirs. So they give you this false flattery, they give you this false love, they give you this false concern, when really all they're concerned about is their teaching winding up in your life. He explains how the the past always tries to flatter you with false lies about joy and success and peace and fun. 
But then he explains his obsession is with their spiritual growth, and he is desperate to see affirmation that their faith is real. And for him, it can't come fast enough. And then lastly, he's scratching his head. You know, because on the outside, going back to a life before Jesus just looks really stupid. It's silly. It's almost like a, what are you thinking? That's like being on an ocean in a life raft with waves all around you. The world's the most beautiful cruise ship comes and picks you up, feeds you great, and you think, man, that life raft was fun. <laughs> so that's the historical aspect of what's going on in this passage. Look at the theological. I want to make sure you understand something. The backsliding is not eternal, but it is also not inconsequential. Here's what I mean. As Christians, we struggle with this idea of backsliding a lot, going back to what we loved before we loved Jesus. I want to make it very clear. The Scripture's clear in many, many, many places that you cannot reverse grace and mercy since grace and mercy are not earned in the first place. They are given through what? Which is a? You guys could preach this pretty soon. Matter of fact, there's some verses that Paul writes. Just, I just picked out a couple, right? You can't reverse grace and mercy. Romans 8.30. And to those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Paul lays out in Romans, and if I went back and preached the whole chapter of Romans chapter 8, you would see what Paul says is, there's a process that once God saves you, once God calls you, once God gives you the gift of faith, the process of salvation is irreversible. And the state of salvation is eternal. So backsliding isn't eternal. Another verse he has in Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this thing, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus. I don't know how much more clear he can be. I'm confident that he who started it, he's going to finish it. So let's make sure that we understand this. That losing your salvation is off the table in this discussion. That's not what Paul is saying to the Galatians. However, the gospel does not always promise us protection from the consequences of our sin. Are you listening to me? The gospel may promise you salvation, but it does not promise you protection from being an idiot. Look at this passage in Proverbs 13, 15. Good judgment brings, brings blessing, but the way of the sinner brings hardship. Now let's just stop and stare at that for a minute. How many of you can say, huh, that's true. Good judgment brings blessing, but the way of the sinner brings hardship. I hear people all the time in my ministry, okay, sometimes it's myself I hear, crying about how tough life is and how nothing ever seems to work out. All the while they keep smoking, they keep drinking, 
They keep cheating. They keep lying. They keep stealing. They keep lusting. Whatever their false idol was before Jesus, they keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and they're shocked when life is hard. Why is it always so tough? Well, you keep licking the toilet. Whatever your false idol is. So this is the theological application of this passage. Backsliding may not have eternal consequences if you truly know Christ, if God has really given you the gift of faith, but there are earthly, temporal consequences for licking the toilet. Going back after Jesus and licking the toilet. So what is the devotional application for this passage today? There is nothing back there for you. And I have a great example I want to give you some examples of. A great example of, of why we shouldn't backslide is technology. Now, I love technology. I've always been on the cutting edge of all of it, pretty much. I love to get the latest, greatest, fastest. Do you all remember this? Did you know the IRS, the IRS has spent half a trillion dollars in computer and IT upgrades in the last 10 years, and 80% of their machines still run MS-DOS? True story. I'm not kidding you. The U.S. Patent Office just recently upgraded all their computers to Windows XP. <laughs> Microsoft doesn't even support it anymore. My parents, this is true, it's true. My parents have a huge walk-in closet full of movies from floor to ceiling on all four walls, and every one of them is VHS. 20 years ago, that was heaven. It really was. On a rainy Saturday, now it's just a mess collecting dust. Most of the tapes don't even work anymore. You put them in, you, you got a knife, I got to wind this thing back up. You know what I'm talking about? Last week, a friend of mine was so excited because he found his Atari 2600 in the garage. I said, how many hours of fun is that going to bring you? Before you realize, man, the Xbox One's a lot better. Why would he want to go back to an Atari 2600? You remember this? I used to get excited when the new free software would come in my mailbox. How about this, ready? Back-breaking download speeds. Right? Do any of you want to go back to AOL 5.0? Atari 20, MS-DOS, VHS, Windows XP, come on, for real. All this old stuff, it looks nostalgic. Oh, I remember those days. And for some reason, nostalgia makes us long for it and think it's cool. Atari 2600, cool. But let's be honest, these things weren't that great to begin with. And compared to what we have today... The technology is so much better. Any of you want to trade in your cable internet for a 56.6K modem? Then why would we want to backslide? Our past lives, and this is important, guys, our past lives have this magical way of seducing us while not reminding us of the negatives the cost 
the pain, the suffering, the smell, the anxiety, the guilt, and the burden. But once we go back, we're often reminded of the pain and the cost and the burden. You see, it's the same with our sin in our lives, with past associations and people and places that have yielded moments of what I like to call dark joy. They weren't really joy. It was just enough fun to suck you in and make you think it was good. And these past moments of nostalgia bring back memories of dark joy. But at some point, we recognize the cost, the burden and the guilt, the slavery, the way it cheapened our life. And then we remember, oh, yeah, that's why I love Jesus. That's why it all wasn't worth it, that temporary pleasure. That's what we call backsliding. <laughs> Guys, it's a deception. It's a lie that says the past without Jesus was as good as today without, with him. It's not true. Matter of fact, there's a verse that clearly indicates this. I love this verse. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Every time you think, man, I remember back in the days when me and my buds, we used to go and we used to get drunk down by the riverside if you're a redneck. <laughs> or if you're a college guy down at the bar across the street from the campus. Those days aren't any good. They lie to you and say, oh, hey, we're great. Jesus is great. So why would you look back? There's nothing there for you anymore. It's gone. It's dead. It's done. All that stuff you did did nothing but break its promises to you about being fulfilled, about being happy, about having fun, and about there being no consequences. Or maybe there were consequences, but they were such a small price to pay for the dark joy. All it did was lie to you and leave you empty, hurting, crying out to God for grace and mercy and a Savior. In fact, Paul explains in Philippians that compared to Jesus, the best of the past, the very best of the past, is sewage. Yes, truly, I am ready to give up all things for the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them nothing more than dung, that I may gain Christ. Is that graphic enough for you? Don't be mad at me. That's Apostle Paul. He says, all the other stuff that I gave up to know Jesus was raw sewage. And I don't want to go back and lick the toilet again. See, if you're a child of God, you've had a taste of grace and mercy and forgiveness and purpose from the banquet table of Jesus. Why would you go back to eat at the toilet again? It's still lined with filth, disguised as that dream you had prior to God that sin could be.
<clears throat> now you understand why I use that graphic picture of licking the toilet. It's biblical. Paul says all that stuff is like raw sewage to me compared to knowing Jesus. Look at this verse. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave did not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's look at that verse for a few minutes. Look at the last part. Just look at it for a minute. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Guys, it defies logic, this love affair we have with things that enslaved us before Jesus. Right? I mean, it, it just, it doesn't make any rational, mathematical, scientific, emotional sense that we would somehow always be tempted to run back to the toilet of the past to forsake the banquet table of Jesus where we just eat up mercy and grace and forgiveness and redemption and purpose and love and fellowship with, his fellow, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, all those wonderful, joyous things that give our life meaning and for some reason it defies logic that we love to look back on the enslavement of the past and think, that wasn't so bad. That toilet wasn't all that dirty. <clears throat> I uh, slammed my thing down. I was so excited about what I was preaching. There we go. Compared to Jesus, the stuff you love from your past is old sewage. Why would you want to go back to it over and over and over again? Why? I got a better idea. How about you stick with grace? How about you stick with mercy? How about you stick with forgiveness? How about you stick with true purpose? How about you stick with the banquet table instead of the porta potty? Last illustration. I have this route that I ride on my bike every day, and <clears throat> one of the things I go to is the North Bridge is not the Ringling Bridge, right? It's a little bit bigger one than the, than the Clark Road Bridge, right? Okay, so I go from one bridge, and I go down the key, and I go to this. This is my daily ride, and I'll go to the North Bridge. And they've been doing a lot of construction down there for a long time, right? And when it's really, they, there's this one porta potty that's been there the whole time. And it kind of blocks the sidewalk that I used to go under the bridge and make a U-turn. And I got to drive by that thing every time I ride. And when it's like 95 degrees outside, it's what, 110 inside that thing? And what's in there? It's sewage, just festering, and just, it's nasty, right? Yes, I'm trying to gross you out. It's nasty, it's disgusting. I can't imagine opening the door to use it. One time I had to go to the bathroom, and I said, you know what? I'll hold it, thank you very much. <laughs> Guys, that's the past. Every time you drive by it, you should be reminded of the porta potty. Man, that stinks. That's nasty. I don't want nothing to do with it. 
I'll chill with Jesus, thank you. Stick with grace. Stick with mercy. Stick with forgiveness. And don't look back.